0: Do you want to see Batman yet? No.
1: Oh, we st- oh, th- this is how we're starting the show now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Every show, I'm going to ask, has anyone seen The Batman yet? Until so one of us finally caves in and... Bat caves in. Bat caves in, yeah. I mean, if I wanted three hours of misery, I would just listen to the unedited version of the podcast. <laughs>
2: so Imagine how my Mondays and Tuesdays are spent.
0: I'm going <laughs> to guess... T-
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay this bit's definitely not going in now. <laughs> but what if there is no
0: tomorrow there wasn't one today
1: Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are...
2: John Carver, Andy Chandler Peter Johnson
1: And I'm Hazel Chandler On today's show, we're going to try and catch each other out with both true and made-up facts in our Buff or Bluff quiz Plus, to celebrate International Women's Month, we'll be discussing our favourite female performances So, let's start the show
3: Reviews have been mixed, haven't they? There have been some just positive and some have been,
0: oh, it's got good bits, but... My friend who is not a nerd went to see it last night and he said it was just awful. I
2: like the implication you
0: only have one friend who is not a nerd. Well, he's the nerdiest of my non-nerd friends. He's like the, the nerd perineum. <laughs> <laughs> he's the gateway nerd. The get, Yeah. So he, he went to see it and he said it was awful and dull and didn't have a single redeeming factor.
1: I've heard it's 180 minutes of sheer dourness. Yeah, there is no comedy whatsoever. Just unrelenting.
3: <gasps> oh, I might go see it then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if it was in
0: Belarusian or Moldovian, you'd be all over this. Three hours of foreign misery. <laughs> <laughs> if it was on movie and subtitled, you'd have watched it five times by now. Probably. <laughs> Stop doing Batman. Had
3: enough Batman.
1: And also, if if you're watching it at home, um, don't have any lights on whatsoever, because you won't be able to see a single thing on the film. Um, It's like someone has walked into the room and said, right, I want all of the light out of the room, so people can barely see anything.
3: Apparently it's constantly raining as well, like it was filmed in Manchester or something.
1: (laughs) If you want to see a very dour film, um, which is constantly raining, go and see Seven, because at least it has some jokes.
0: What jokes does Seven got in it?
1: He says, just because the killer has a library card doesn't make him Yoda.
0: Does anybody else, when they get their birthday or Christmas presents, go, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) Before opening it. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Louise is walking away with a look of sad realisation of it. That's her life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Every single day. (laughs) Every single day.
0: Whenever the the post remote come down. (laughs) When did International Women's Day become International Women's Month? Is it a one-off special event? It's I like think her. it's actually Women's
3: History Month um, and there's an International Women's Day.
1: Yeah, the 8th of March, I think, is International Women's Day. And then, um, do you want? I don't actually know when it, the History Month started.
0: Maybe the first.
1: Maybe the first, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it's on the 31st.
0: i was just watching Peter try desperately not to say when's International Women's Day. <laughs> no, I have no intention of <laughs> <saying> that. <laughs> the other 11 months of the year. <laughs> Richard Herring, who we've talked about in the podcast before, has, for the last few years, spent all of International Women's Day replying to anybody saying, when will it be International Men's Day or some version of that With It's November the 19th. (laughs) (laughs) And he's raised hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity doing that, because he gets sponsored to do it.
1: Yep. Good on him. We need allies.
0: Not just allies, though, because films would be boring. We'll talk about life, not entertainment. You go, like, oh... um, we all should be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Films would be shit.
1: But the world would be a better place. The world would be a better
0: place, but <laughs> Batman would be two minutes long. Which That's is probably a great a <laughs> <a bit of laughs> yeah. Probably an improvement.
1: Now it's time for our buff or bluff quiz. Um, this is where we've all come with three facts. Two of them are true, but one of them is completely false. I'm going to have to try and work out what is the lie. We
0: went to uh, Nerd Arcade in Gateshead over the river from Newcastle where we spent an enjoyable morning playing some old school arcade games and it led me down a memory path with computer games and consoles gone by and particularly controllers gone by. So these are three accessories for your game console. Two of them are real, one of them is entirely made up. Number one was the, uh, the Japanese only release from Soft called Toy Game Girl. This was an accessory that plugged into your 3DS, and instead of using the buttons, it was a series of tactile services that you could touch, rub, and blow (laughs) in order to entertain the virtual lady on the screen and bring the game to a, shall we say, conclusion. (laughs) Uh, The girls were released on cartridges, and 17 different cartridges were released with 16 women and one man. Number two, Well, that doesn't sound fair. I, I think it might be more up towards who it was marketed yeah, for.
1: Yeah, targeted demographic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Number two, the Resident Evil Chainsaw Controller. Why not control your video game with a replica chainsaw? Yep. Oh. Um, for the release of one of the Resident Evil sequels, Camcom brought out for the Nintendo a miniature replica chainsaw. Whilst the chainsaw itself didn't blur, whatever the word is,
1: <laughs> bluzz, <laughs> didn't, didn't
0: didn't buzz. <laughs> It did have all the requisite buttons to enable you to play Resident Evil hidden amongst the various crevices. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was incredibly difficult to use and you could hardly play the game using it. So it ended up in boxes on shelves or bins until they will reappear on eBay in 30 years time for 100 times the price. Number three was a very special light gun. We all remember light guns. Um, yeah. yeah, Which u- unfortunately died a, a death because they don't work with the new style TVs. Yeah. The kind CRT. I miss you, Time Crisis 2. Time Crisis 2 is at Nerd Arcade in Gateshead. That's a long way to go, though. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole five-minute drive. <laughs> What's better than a light gun? A head-mounted light gun with no buttons. Ooh. A special helmet you button your head... With an LED. Where else are you gonna put it? <laughs> With an LED on it that points at the screen, so you see a little red dot on the screen as your aim. Instead of pulling a trigger, you then have to shout fire and it fires. So if for example <laughs> you were playing point blank two, you'd be going fire, 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 fire What happens if someone calls a fire brigade? Yeah, well many people <laughs> were evacuated from <laughs> student halls of residence. So is it the erotic touchy simulation add-on for your 3ds
1: does it have a name
0: i think it was a toy game girl um was it the resident evil chainsaw controller or was it a helmet mounted light gun where you had to shout fire to make it fire
3: could i begin by asking about the helmet mounted light gun yes you may isn't that incredibly stupid yes No
0: further questions. John,
1: can I have a, ask you a question? Yes. Have you played any of these personally?
0: I played the And was it the first one? <laughs> I have played the first one but not with the controller. <laughs> I've seen it on an emulator. And it's just very very poor graphics. Like it, it it was for the it was for the 3DS but the graphics were basically like pixel graphics. And it's almost like a rhythm game so if you play like Guitar Hero or something like that you basically got to there's some symbol on the bottom you got to kind of hit them in time and do the things. That sounds incredibly realistic. Yeah, I mean <laughs> A sense of rhythm is important. <laughs> is it Catholic? game?
1: <laughs> it does sound like something that exists.
0: Yeah, the second, one, yeah, uh, the, the, the second one I haven't seen um, the anywhere. The chainsaw. And I've never, never seen the uh, light gun helmet.
2: I do remember seeing pictures of a Resident Evil release with a sort of chainsaw next to it. Mm-hmm. But whether that's really a controller,
0: I'm going to guess it was a controller.
1: It was like the handle, a joystick type thing. The handle
0: was like a joystick, the buttons were, and then there was the, the blade which was just fixed but was covered in fake blood.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Prepared to believe all of them. I think the the third one sounds pretty terrible to use.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have that, then why not make it a gun shape? That's what people would want to play with.
0: Mm. Because it was great because you would have a, a visor over your eye and then there was the LED, so it was like you had like a... A target hood. That you could point at the screen. Now, if it came with a
3: shoulder-mounted cannon, like a Predator, then I could understand it.
0: There was a shoulder-mounted cannon for the SNES, wasn't there? What was that? Well, one? there was a superscope, which super was scope, like, yeah. more
2: like a rocket launcher almost. Mm-hmm. I think I still have one in the loft, actually.
1: <laughs> Number three just sounds like um, John was amusing himself, like this would be fun, and just came up with that.
2: You don't think the first one sounds like that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: The first one sounds like someone would actually do that and it would have a big market yeah. um the second one it does it, it there's got enough details in there um and it sounds pretty plausible, but the third one sounds like a Johnism mm. that's where I am placing my bets.
3: Yeah, I'm with you there. The first one is just icky enough to be realistic. Um, and uh, the second one, I can certainly believe, I've never played Resident Evil, but I think it's got quite the enthusiastic fan base and th- they would mm-hmm. go for specialised, controllery type things. And the third one is powerfully daft and <laughs> has been made up by John.
1: If the first one isn't true, please don't go getting any ideas. Please don't make this game.
2: <laughs> and not for the 3DS, because no one has one anymore. No, will you? Uh,
0: yeah, I'm going for the third one as well. Okay, well, if anybody does want to make that game, I now want royalties on it because it was completely <gasps> made Whoa. up. They are in Japan. They are they are computer games and console games, which are sort of girlfriend simulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is a popular subgenre. But as far as I'm aware, there's no tactile device <laughs> in order for you to grope said virtual women. I think they did have sort of
2: bits where you blew and things. Uh, yeah, you could blow into the the the, you
0: could blow into the microphone on the DS. I think yeah. Was it? yeah. Resident Evil Chainsaw is correct, as is the head-mounted light like gun where you have to shout fire. still don't believe it. <laughs> Could you change the word? Does it have to be fire? Here's somebody wearing the helmet if you want to see what it looks like.
2: <laughs> she looks unhappy about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's not cool.
2: He looks like a really <laughs> cheap version of Cyborg. He does, uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, I am Locutus of Borg, here's my Konami yes. laser scope. Oh.
2: Speaking of which, has anyone seen Picard
0: yet? I really liked it. The first first episode of the new season. Mm. I, thought it was I thought it was very expensive and uh, it, Yeah, it looked amazing.
2: Looking. It really did. It looked better than any of the mm-hmm. um, recent Chris Pine films, I thought, mm. budget-wise.
1: We gave up halfway through the first season, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm, I can't remember why, but just didn't feel a connection to it.
2: We stopped
3: watching an episode and then never picked the next one up, and it, you, that felt fine.
1: Were <laughs>
0: either of you big Next Generation fans? I think you're probably no. too young for it the first time around. No.
1: Yeah. Never really been a Star Trek. I'm a mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of it rides on your memories of that character. he's like one of the most beloved characters in sci-fi. So just seeing Patrick Stewart playing him again.
2: Mm-hmm. Been really enjoying um, Seven Nine. She's mm. great in it, and I quite like the Spanish guy, the spaceship captain, because he he has this sort of pantomime, gung ho, slap your thigh.
3: Yeah, I'm not quite sure why he's allowed him. to
0: smoke a cigar on the bridge of the yes. starship. Though seems very odd to me.
3: When Colin Farrell didn't get to smoke a cigar in the Batman.
0: Poor guy. Yes, he wasn't allowed, was he? But, um, one of oh, the yes. said, because it's a PG-13, you're not allowed to smoke a cigar.
1: I did hear the Empire team saying, we have no idea why he's called the Penguin. Nothing about the character is Penguin-esque. Know, maybe he keeps them as pets, I don't know.
0: It inclines me to like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you seen on Netflix, they're removing cigarettes from pictures? No, uh, no in no the either. Breakfast Club, there's a scene mm. where... I think it's Anthony Michael Hall. is smoking a cigarette, and if you look on the picture on the Netflix, they digitally replaced it with a pencil. <laughs> oh.
1: Smoking a pencil.
0: It's just holding a pencil as if in a slightly iffy manner. Which <laughs> <laughs> is the smoke coming off the pencil? No, the, <laughs> that would, that would be, they just left that. I think they digitally removed the cigarettes from the Grease trailer as well when they re-released it a while back. I think they left them in the film but removed oh. them from the trailer
3: colin farrell said that um it's not like kids are gonna go out and smoke a cuban because the penguin has a cigar and the batman but it's just every little depiction just makes smoking seem more normal and more accessible and yeah i don't don't mind i I
0: think i think think it's 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 fine if it's justified for the character yeah
1: shall i go next yes Yeah. yeah okay since the fourth season of the marvelous mrs maisel is now back on prime video which for anyone who doesn't know, it is based on Miriam Maisel, um, who is a comedian living in 1960s New York. So I would thought I would base my buff obluff on female comedians. Number one. Mindy Kaling was only 24 when she was invited to join the writing staff of The Office, making her the only woman on the staff of eight at that time. Mm. Number two. Lucille Ball was the first woman in television to head a production company. And number three, Jackie, aka Mums, Mably, was born Loretta May Aiken in 1894, and she is credited as being the first female stand up comedian. She was a woman ahead of her time. She was gay, she was black, and she was political. She adopted the stage name Jackie Mably after her grandmother, who was the only adult in her life whom she was able to count on.
0: Hmm.
2: Hmm. So she was openly gay in the act?
1: No, sorry, sorry. The fact is that she adopted the stage name. Uh, Jackie Mably after her grandmother. But all of that other stuff is mm-hmm. completely true. Or is it?
0: Define Production Company.
1: Uh, it's a <laughs> uh, it's a production oh. company. <laughs> the, the
2: production company was Desi Lou, which yeah. is yeah. both of them. So is it her exclusively or?
1: No, um, yeah, she, she co-owned it with, um... Desi Arnaz. Desi- yeah, Desi and
0: created Star- uh, produced Star Trek, that was a yes. Desilu production, famously. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'm asking is, because wasn't Mary Pickford with United Artists?
1: I'm speaking t- uh, specifically television here.
0: In that case, I think that's true. I hate to say I've never heard of The Woman in the Third. I don't think I have either. I have no idea there.
1: Yeah, she was yeah. born a long, long time ago, but lived till the 1970s. I mean,
0: she sounds like her and Jimmy Carr would have got along famously. <laughs> I know Mindy Kaling was very young when she was wrote in The Office. I don't know if she was the only woman, but mm. everything about that kind of sounds mm. true. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, just
1: for the first season, I think other female writers came on during the course of the yeah. series, like Jen or people like that.
0: So I'm going to go to number three, because I think the other two are true. I don't know. So for difference, I'll go for number one um for
3: further difference i'm going to go for number two i reckon there may have been somebody's gonna win <laughs> <Somebody's>
2: going
1: <gonna> <laughs> to okay so the bluff is number three
0: ah.
1: she's a real comedian i definitely look her up but she did not base the name on her grandmother she borrowed the name from an early boyfriend called jack mabley uh, then she said in a 1970 interview that he had taken so much from her, the least she could do was take his name from him. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, like yeah.
0: that. I mean, she didn't actually take it for It's not like when he tried to introduce her, I can't anymore. She got in the divorce. I'm Mr. Blank now.
1: I genuinely don't know how she kept going. Her childhood is absolutely horrific. And yeah, the fact that she managed to keep going and turn herself into an incredibly successful comedian is um yeah i want to check out more of her stuff
0: yeah really laid
1: the groundwork and yes lucille ball um they did co-own the company at first when they got divorced she became the sole owner of the um desi production company and yes mindy kaling was 24 Mm. and only female writer
2: Hmm. it's funny john should mention mr blank Because I have three names for Mr. Men characters in different European countries, and you can tell me which one I've made up. Okay. So, number one. Mr. Topsy-Turvy in Portugal is called Senor (laughs) Topsito. Number two. Mr. Bump in Norway is called Her Dumpy Dump. (laughs) And number three. Mr. Muddle in Spanish is called Don Confuso. Mm. (laughs) Don Confuso.
1: All right. Andy has been learning Danish because uh, we were going to go to Danish, uh, Danish, We were going to go to Denmark. Does this ring a bell with you?
3: Um, no, it was, it was Norwegian and they're very similar languages, but the pronunciation is very different. And apparently speaking Danish, you sound like you're speaking Norwegian, except for the mouthful of mashed potato. I've been told by Norwegian <laughs> people. Um, and therefore, for that reason, I'm going to plead the fifth.
0: Her dumpy dump sounds like <laughs> an mm-hmm. overweight dictator. I have Her
3: Dumpy Dump. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be honest, Her Dumpy Dump sounds like it's been inspired by the Swedish chef from, from the Muppets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can we have them again?
2: Mr. Topsy Turvy in Portugal is called Senor Topsito. Mr. Bump in Norway is called Her Dumpy Dump. And Mr. Muddle in Spain is called Don Confuso.
0: I'm going to go for Don Confuso because it just sounds like a name you'd put on your passports if you would. Going to leave the country with suitcases full of stolen cash.
3: Is Don a kind of honorific title, like Don Corleone, I know Italy? Not. Yeah, I think so. So he's he's been promoted then in translation. So that's pretty cool. And is Who the head would promote of Mr. A-
2: Muddle. Well you get promoted beyond your own level of competence, don't you? I haven't been yet, but I
0: look forward to it. <laughs> no comments. <laughs>
3: I hope Senor Topsito is right because yeah. I um, have a, a Portuguese colleague and I'm going to excitedly tell him all about it tomorrow.
2: In that case, if I'm going to tell you which one's the true
1: one.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go for her dumpy dump because it's clearly ripped off from the Muppets. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm going to go for Don Confuso. Was it some Don Confuso? Yes. Don Confuso. I'm confused. Yes.
0: Don Confuso for me too. You're all wrong. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh. The one I made up was Senor Topsito.
0: Senor Aww. Topsito. Uh,
2: Mr. Topsy-Turvy in Germany is called Unser Her Cuddle Muddle. Uh, Mr. Dizzy in Portugal is called Senor Bobo. And Mr. Happy in France, for some reason, is called Monsieur Bing.
0: <laughs> Sponsored by Microsoft. I like it. Who's the best Mr. Man? Mr. Muscle. Mr Tickle
1: I was going to say Mr Tickle yeah because it's the only one I can remember there was Little Miss Sunshine Little Mm -hmm. Miss Naughty which I would often get compared to
0: I've now got the theme tune for the 80s kids cartoon show stuck in my head I don't know how that goes could you hum it please (laughs) all friends together little miss and Mr Men all friends together round and round we go side by side and something something and on with the show (coughs) very good that means nothing to me I don't bluff, know if I you made that, that show
1: <laughs> Andy bluff away
3: yesterday I watched a, a stunning documentary called Taming the Garden which was about huge ancient trees being uprooted and transported across the former Soviet Republic of Georgia to what be is- replanted in the private garden of a wealthy politician what is it with you and trees they're really interesting, <laughs> as you are about to find. In celebration of this wonderful film, I submit for your consideration three other films about trees, only one of which is a stupid lie I made up. Number one, Garden of Death, a.k.a. The Gardener, a.k.a. Seeds of Evil. A sinister gardener grows mysterious, fume-emitting plants that either kill their victims or make them fall hopelessly in love with the shirtless gardener. His evil wades lead him to a showdown with Catherine Hepburn's niece. In which she shoots him, he turns into a tree and she sets fire to him, the end. Number two, Mr. Birch goes to Washington.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we need to go any further.
3: (laughs) A political satire about a man who discovers and exploits a loophole in the US Constitution that leads to a birch tree being elected to the House of Representatives. He initially sells (laughs) his client services to special interest groups before developing a conscience and trying to make America a better place. In the end, the tree is assassinated with a wood chipper. (gasps)
0: <gasps> oh. i was invested they fargoed him <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> just a little realization like that's where i read that bit up from i,
3: I, I did see fargo recently coincidentally <laughs> number number three Venge, <laughs> <laughs> a short christmas horror film in which the trees have had enough after being chopped down separated from their families sold and dressed up in tinsel Christmas trees rise up to enact bloody vengeance upon humanity.
1: As they should, really. They've they've, they've yeah. suffered long enough.
0: I watched a bit of that, but the actor was so wooden, I was just could gonna... no.
1: <laughs> oh. Did it start Edward Woodward? <laughs> y-
2: yeah,
0: no. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Why is Edward Woodward got four D's in his name? Because if
2: he didn't, he'd be... <laughs>
0: no, because that's how you spell Edward Woodward. <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> feel like you're not taking my trees seriously.
3: <laughs> I think I've seen the first one. Garden of Death aka the Gardener aka
0: Seeds of Evil. Yeah.
2: It has this sort of hammer sound to it, doesn't it?
0: I in my head it's so is Italian, but I may be getting it mixed up. But little bits of it kind of felt familiar. It does sound designed for you to watch. And the idea of having like Caffin Hepburn's niece in it is the sort of thing they will publicise. Because they had nothing else to. they, so. you know, they have Caffeine Hepburn in massive letters and they niece of in tiny <laughs> letters above.
2: I once saw in the early days of video rentals and stuff there was uh, one that was produced by Anne Spielberg and it said a Spielberg production with a little
1: <laughs> dot after the A.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mr. Birch goes to Washington. That's obviously bollocks isn't it? Mm. Sorry I'm nodding. I'm It might not be.
1: Remind me of Mr. Birch's policies.
3: Um, I I haven't seen the film, sadly. Uh, Mm. He was initially... Because it doesn't exist. (laughs) um, No, he he was initially used as a a puppet and special interest groups could Mm. uh, pay for influence in in the house. But then uh, the gentleman behind Mr. Birch develops a conscience and starts trying to enact positive change. Exactly
1: the plot of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's
0: a satire of Mr. Smith, so that would make perfect sense. I'm sold. I've changed my mind.
1: Do you know what I think sold it for me was the deliberate aversion from saying um, that the, they wanted to make America great again. It was, You You carefully worded it so you didn't have to say that. Did I? That's why I think it's a lie, because you wouldn't want to say those words.
0: Make America <laughs> great oak again. <laughs> <laughs> Trevenge sounds like somebody's short film, so I can believe that's true. You know, I was almost 100% convinced it's Mr. Birch Goes to Washington, but there's a little seed of doubt that I think I think <laughs> might be <laughs> appropriately le- leading us down a, a forest path of confusion with his. it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B. Mr. Birch yeah.
1: Goes to Washington.
2: The second one is for the chop. <laughs> You are all correct. Yay!
3: <laughs> Sadly, that is not true, but Trevenge is very real. It's 15 minutes long. John, you would love it. It's incredibly bloody, very silly, um, and it's on YouTube. I shall
0: look that up immediately after the
3: podcast. You'd be a sap to miss it.
0: Oh.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> Can't wait to hear what the episode title is.
0: I mean, I, I wasn't going to watch the middle one because it wasn't really within my interest, but I thought I might branch out a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: I didn't realise there were this many puns. Leave it alone, no. John.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I, think it's, I think it's time to leave this segment <laughs> and move on. Women are great, aren't they? I love women.
1: <laughs> what do you love about women?
0: I. I careful now. <laughs> very dangerous territory. <laughs> They're just nice, aren't they? Not always.
1: No, <laughs> so, some, some are very much not nice.
0: Fair point. some in this room maybe (gasps) (laughs) so it is women history month and international women's day Mm -hmm. so to celebrate this we're going to look at some filmy women
1: filmy 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 women 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 in films (laughs) Yeah, we're going to celebrate i'm going to talk about some of our favorite female performances and this is andy's idea so i think andy should start
3: Women are good, aren't they? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) I really should have thought about this before I started, shouldn't I? Um, Sarah Connor's good, isn't she? (laughs) A female character usually has much more going on below the surface and they have barriers that they have to break down to be accepted and such. And they just tend to make more interesting characters. Mm
1: -hmm. What I love about some strong female performances is that they show their vulnerability as well as their strength. And some people, mis- it, yes. some people mistake vulnerability with weakness. It's not that at all. To be vulnerable is to be strong, to, to not shy away from those feelings, um, have them be your superpower, and then show a sign of strength as well. And one of my favourite performances, and it's one of my favourite films, I don't know why it's not more beloved, but it's The Quick and the Dead, mm. um, directed by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly traditional Western. It's about this dual gunslinging competition. Sharon Stone plays a character called The Lady. Her name is Ellen because Ellen is a very strong female name, particularly in film. And she has come to town seeking revenge against Jean Hatton's character. And when she rides into town, she's shot off her horse by some bandit who thinks that she's a dude coming to steal from him. And she, she shoots him at the same time. And then she walks over to him and stands, like, basically on top of him. And the sun is behind her and it's shining through her hat. And you see in the top, like, the brim of her hat has got this little bullet hole and the sun is shining through there. And it's such an amazing hero moment. She's incredibly tough, but she's very vulnerable too. I think that can be missing from some other films. A lot of male-led films, they forget about the vulnerability. And if they show like a sad backstory, it's probably because a woman has been fridged in order to make that happen. In the strongest performances I know, it's that hand-in-hand vulnerability and strength. Hmm.
2: There have, um, historically, maybe John will know the examples here, there have been cases where strong female characters were actually written as men and they only made Mm. them female Um, at the last minute. Vic is the obvious one, yeah.
1: There's uh, Salt, uh, Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. That was Tom Cruise's role at the start.
2: So I'm just wondering to what extent the character ends up different because they were conceived one way or conceived the other way, and it's interesting that the ones that were hailed as being sort of groundbreaking to some yeah. extent were the ones where they didn't write them just as a woman. I'm doing the air quotes here.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'd have got Aliens if Ellen Ripley had been a male. We probably mm-hmm. got Aliens, but a very different story. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have had you know the the sort of the mother versus yeah. the mother, yeah, yeah. Uh, Newt coming into it mm-hmm. um, and showing her as the ultimate protector.
0: Yeah, I think Aliens is a better example of that than Alien. Or mm-hmm. I, I, I think like likes sort of Alien, the character was not very gender specific, but Aliens deals specifically with like motherhood.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. maternal instinct and how
0: you can reconcile those. And it's um, that
2: was obviously a way to feminise the character, given that the rest of the movie is very much a war movie. Yeah, to give different aspects mm-hmm. to it rather than just chuck her in.
0: Yeah, you've got Vasquez in there, who's a very different example mm-hmm. of a female character. Did you know the actress now runs a bra shop?
1: I did, yes, Uh, for bigger boob ladies. For bigger
0: boob ladies, yeah. yeah.
1: And she had a very small role in Titanic.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. It's weird how James Cameron, who I understand is difficult in real life, in his relationships with women, has written two of the strongest female characters. Yeah. If you Mm. think think of, obviously, Sarah Connor and Ripley. Yeah, I think Rose in Titanic is very much an equal to Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you know, he he likes great female roles. Yeah, Sarah Connor's
3: uh, a favourite of mine, and mm-hmm. will say nothing of Terminator Dark Fate because it deserves no words. But <laughs> in Terminator One and Two, um, she almost the reverse of yeah. the way that Ripley is. She's <laughs> ordinary. Presented.
1: She's a waitress. she's she is most, yeah. not a scientist, or you know. special powers but
3: she starts out as as some of the kind of you could argue kind of negative stereotypes i mean she's um just quiet and vulnerable and she's a a potential victim of a predatory man which we've seen enough of that in films thank you very much and then she's the damsel in distress who's saved by kyle reese the white knight but her character arc where she grows um stronger and harder and more capable and braver Mm -hmm. throughout the film and by the end she is the one that does what Kyle Reese couldn't do and she kills the Terminator. That's incredibly satisfying uh, to see her grow mm-hmm. as a character. And in the second film, if that had been a standalone thing, it could have been a man playing that role. And um, there's the motherhood in it is an important aspect, but just parenthood would have worked as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's a fascinating character mm-hmm. in that as well. But I think James Cameron um, seems to like to explore different aspects of, of female characters, um, which is... is yeah. Nice and
2: refreshing.
1: Don't all have to be mothers.
2: I think one of the other really significant female characters in action movies is probably Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she comes across really well. And the film is very much more about her than it's about Mad Max anyway. It isn't is, it? Yeah. yeah. Much more her story.
1: And knowing what she had to endure on yes. set as well. Oh. If anyone's read that variety, mm-hmm. Vanity Fair, begins with a V article about uh, Tom Hardy's mm-hmm. alleged behaviour on set. Uh,
0: I, I think that's just two people
2: that just did not get on. Had very different views of how you should make a film. I think. Yeah. And it was a really tough mm-hmm. set. It was like six months in the desert to shoot it.
1: New mother just wanted to get home to her son. Mm-hmm. Being told it's so, so important for you to be there on time for this particular day and he was like four hours late. I don't think that's an excuse for mm. I want the film to be in a certain way. I think that's just being a
0: dick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that heat as well, can you imagine? Yeah. It must be yeah. incredibly frustrating.
1: Silence of the Lambs, I think, is quite an interesting film to talk mm. about because of Jodie Foster's performance, Oscar-winning performance, I think it was, yep. as uh, Clarice Starling. Because uh, she's both strong. You know, we start seeing her running in her FBI, I was going to say costume, but it is. <laughs> um, and at the end we sort of see her trying to track down the killer. Uh, She's on her own. We know she doesn't have the support. And she's in very, very dark rooms and trying to turn corners. And you can see the terror on her face and and, the way that she's shaking the gun and everything. But she's so savvy. She's trying to work out this puzzle that Anthony Hopkins has set for her. And so she's a great example of being very strong physically, very strong mentally, but also showing how vulnerable she is as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Treated horribly in the sequel as a character.
1: Not seen the sequel.
0: Don't. No. Not well, good. What's it doing in the sequel again? She basically kind of falls in love with him almost. Mm. There's a weird romance thing going. I mean, he's controlling her, but he takes everything away from her. The book and the film end differently, and I'm struggling to remember which is which. But I think one of them ends with them together as a couple, but mm. she's kind of zonked and brainwashed.
1: Is it Julianne Moore in that role? Yeah. Did uh, Jodie Foster turn it down for, read, for those reasons? Yeah, she
0: read the script and said, no, thank yeah. you.
1: Yeah. I think my favourite has to be Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, uh, yeah, a male-dominated genre. But Star Wars does a lot to show strong women, like, powerful portrayals of women. Princess Leia is commander. You know, She leads the Rebel Alliance. I love mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher's portrayal. I love her. Um, and I love everything that Leia stands for.
2: Is she now a Disney princess?
1: Yeah, and and we should reclaim what a Disney princess is. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Doesn't have to be Cinderella.
2: Come think of it, they also own Fox. So does that mean Ripley is also yes. one? <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. I'd love people to think of them as, as princesses to be when they grow up. Has anyone seen the, on
0: YouTube at the moment, you know, the medal sequence at the end of Star Wars?
1: hmm
0: Without music?
1: No. Because
0: if you look, what happens is they just walk silently up a path. Princess Leia weeks at them. Gives two of them a medal and they wink back at her and then walk off without saying anything. It's, it's very, very strange. <laughs>
2: it's the grand winking ceremony.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I, was, I was going to talk about something that was seen as problematical and then has kind of been reclaimed and that's the final girl. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that is the if this is a, a trope that people are familiar with from horror movies. Uh, there's a, an academic book called Men, Women and Chainsaws by Carol J. Glover who realised that, you know, in in all these horror films, particularly the 70s and 80s, you would have a male protagonist who liked stabbing and thrusting, and the final battle would be against a girl who would have to defend herself against this and either, either gain strength or become submissive in some way or change in some way in order to defeat them. So it is quite problematic, but if, if it's done well, again, you end, you end up with some very, very strong final girls. So... Jamie Lee Curtis in some Halloweens so um, mm-hmm. is it like Halloween uh, the first Halloween and Halloween 2018 He's a great character and brilliant played by Jamie Lee Curtis and another one who doesn't maybe get the same amount of credit is Heather Langenkamp from the first and third Nightmare in Elm Street and Wes Craven's new nightmare she holds her own against Freddy Krueger and doesn't defeat him in the standard way she goes through that development of having to become more independent, but then kind of beats him using her brains in the first one and kind of kindness in the third one, which is a slightly unusual word doing it. And In the third one as well, she's again a very, very strong mother and maternal figure to a group of people and is a, a really positive character, someone who has come through trauma and is dealing with it in a positive way. The final girl in horror films is a a kind of a really interesting subject to look at in more detail if you look at good films and not films where men with nice sexually assault women and then murder them in their Mm. droves.
1: Mm. Has everyone seen Thelma and Louise? Yeah. No. No, You've not seen it?
0: I feel like it's one of those things I've seen in bits Mm. over many, many years on IGV2.
1: But I'll try not to spoil it, but... um, It's
0: the the end of the same as Grease, isn't it, with the flying car? Yep,
1: yep, Absolutely. (laughs) Half into the sunset um that's one of my favorite performances for both women on screen it starts as a fun girls weekend but it turns into an absolute nightmare and it was made early 90 i think so 30 years before me too but it's a really shiny example of victim blaming so I'm going to get into mild spoilers here.
0: A 30 year old for a 30-year-old, yeah, I've already it, mentioned yeah. the ending. If I was going to watch it, I yeah. would have watched
1: it. I say mild spoilers, spoilers. huge spoilers. <laughs> Thelma, uh, played by Gina Davis, is uh, there's an attempted rape on her, and Louise ends up killing this guy. So it turns into this. Now, what the hell do we do? And trying to get away from the authorities because they know and so many people say about women who are trying to escape from their husbands why didn't they go to the police and this film really shines a light on they'll never be able to go to the police because um they talk about the fact that Thelma was seen dancing and having fun and you know dancing with this guy Mm. so they'll just pick apart her um so they know that they have to go on the run so it's a really great example of you know the, the fact that the man will probably not be judged at all for his actions, mainly because he's dead. Uh, but also that's that that's the case. And yeah, the the situation becomes increasingly desperate, and it's it's a, it's a really gripping film. I really like it.
3: I hadn't seen it until you suggested we watch it. I think it was last mm-hmm. year. Very very good. Do watch it, John.
1: Yeah, Ridley Scott
0: again again for who uh, did mm. Aliens, so another director who does good strong female characters.
1: Mm-hmm. Hidden Figures seen that
2: yeah that's a great
0: film
1: yeah so this is nasa uh, mathematicians whose stories did literally stay hidden for uh, many decades african-american women in the early 1960s and their contribution to uh, nasa's history as well i love that film
3: i'm not a big fan um i I love the idea of it i love love the the premise i just thought it wasn't very well executed Mm. don't buy sheldon cooper as anything other than sheldon (laughs) cooper
1: Wonder Woman. I love that when that came out. First one. Yeah, Yeah. well, yeah, (laughs) 2017, yes. Uh, Female director and, um, yeah, an incredibly powerful performance from Gal Gadot. That charge through No Man's Land and the music, I still get shivers every time that um, I think about it or or watch it. She's trying to do the right thing for everyone. She's out there leading things. She's on her mission, uh, which is such a stereotypical male role especially like a war mm. film
2: but yeah it all with what appeared to be the same team it just went so horribly wrong with the second one which was yeah, weird i don't get it it's hard to know why
1: i don't know what went wrong i honestly don't
2: yeah but throughout the middle part of that film
3: um she's uh, encountering people that are insisting no you have to behave this way because you're a woman and that bit of her going out of the trench and across no man's land yeah. especially is just a, a wonderful reaction to that of her saying no, no, I'm going to do this instead. And that's that's really, really satisfying.
1: A couple of uh, TV characters that have been suggested by Dan. Kate Bishop. I think we all enjoyed her performance. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Firefly. What do I mean? Hawkeye. Thank you. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Buffy as well. We've had a conversation about Buffy recently, haven't we?
3: Yeah, yeah, incredibly strong and um, compelling and character who grows and changes a lot. Um, Joss Whedon, yeah.
0: Does it ruin it? I don't know. I mean, I mean you can get like J.K. Rowling, yuck, but it doesn't stop Harry Potter being great. Um, my nephew loves Harry Potter more than most things in the world.
1: Mm.
0: And probably shouldn't have had that taken away from him. I think probably Buffy's mm. maybe similar. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a personal choice, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And... As we've said before, you know, one person doesn't make an entire film. It's a team effort.
2: I mean, nowadays, especially, (laughs) the credits take longer than that tree movie.
0: You know when um, Mr. Birch went to Washington? Yeah. (laughs) Did he go up against President Bush? (laughs) (sighs) I'm never going to
3: get this film made now. (laughs) (laughs) You don't treat it with dignity. Probably my very favourite filmmaker at the moment is Celine Sciamma, Petite Maman, last year. And... She's uh, fantastic at uh, giving her voice to groups that that don't often get um, favourable portrayals. She uh, has done some great stuff with childhood. She's done some wonderful, wonderful things with queer characters. And, uh, of course, some great things uh, for female characters. I'm particularly thinking about girlhood and portrait of a lady on fire here an issue um with with portrayal of women in films is they're very often characterized by their relationship with the man so they're the mother or the daughter or the love interest or the the vixen the temptress um or the uh, damsel in distress it's all about what are they to the man and celine siama does this thing where um she has her female characters in a female environment in a mm. female world pretty much separated out um, a, a sanctuary from the outside world for a few days. And then they they explore their story and their character in this um, world where they get to just be themselves and they don't have to have everything through the prism of how does this affect the men in your life. And that's a, a wonderful thing that I wish should be would be done more.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's honestly great that we're talking about it because the moment that we stop talking about it and we think, okay, we're about equal, there's some great people behind the camera and you know strong female characters on film, great, we're there, we've done it. We've seen in history, the moment we stop talking about it, the moment it just starts to decline again, so we need to keep celebrating women in film and keep talking about it and keep championing them.
0: Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah just one more I'd like to add, uh, Mrs Brown?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is all for today's episode of nerd fest thank you so much for listening we will be back in a few weeks time in the meantime please follow us on social media at nerd uk to stay up to date and please leave us a review and help us climb those algorithm ladders uh, your efforts will not be in vain because john has a special reward for you
0: Yes, I'll bring them on my special controllers and we'll play games all night long. Oh no. Oh, what, what shape is your special controller, John? <laughs> it's very really unusual. Is it usual. really a controller? Oh yes, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> what does it control? The rest of it.
0: <laughs>
1: Until next time, you've been listening to.
0: A man who wishes Boris Johnson was replaced by a twig.
2: A man who will now be referred to as her Dumpy Dump. A man who's looking for funding for Mr. Birch Goes to Washington.
1: <laughs> and a woman trying to make my way in a male-dominated podcast. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Trees.
0: Bye. Bye. Trees. It's a bloke in a dress, isn't it, Mrs. Brown? I've just realised. <laughs> Uh. makes sense though no it doesn't <laughs> Women, me <now. clears throat> <laughs> there's the punch <laughs> <laughs>